Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Good Morning Family, a podcast of my weekly sermons. Who knows? Maybe I'll throw in a special sermon for you every now and then. I hope this podcast is good news for you. If you find these words helpful, please rate and review my podcast on iTunes or on whatever host you found it. Thanks for your help and for being part of the family. And now, here's this week's sermon. Listen and enjoy. Good morning, family. Here's an odd question. Are you ambitious? How do you feel about ambition or overly ambitious people? Our gospel reading today is a powerful reminder that all the ambitions that confront us in life, all the pettiness that poisons our days, and all the jealousies that we feel are not unique to us or to our times. Even Jesus' disciples knew these feelings and emotions. Let's look at the story. It's found in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. Hear the word of the Lord. James and John, Zebedee's sons, came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They said, Allow one of us to sit on your right and the other on your left when you enter your glory. Jesus replied, You don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or receive the baptism I receive? We can, they answered. Jesus said, You will drink the cup I drink and receive the baptism I receive. But to sit at my right or left hand isn't mine to give. It belongs to those for whom it has been prepared. Now, when the other ten disciples heard about this, they became angry with James and John. Jesus called them over and said, You know that the ones who are considered the rulers by the Gentiles show off their authority over them, and their high-ranking officials order them around. But that's not the way it will be with you. Whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the human one didn't come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. James and John, two brothers who were also Jesus' disciples, approached Jesus with a request. They were ambitious young men with a really cool nickname, Sons of Thunder. Sounds like some sort of biker gang, doesn't it? The Sons of Thunder. Well, one day these two brothers pulled Jesus aside and began to bend his ear, and the other disciples were immediately suspicious. But James and John were determined. The first thing they did was try to bargain the answer to their request. Jesus, they said, we want to know ahead of time that you will do what we ask you. How do you like that? It's like when my kids were little and they would ask me a question. But before they asked the question, they would say, Daddy, promise me you'll just say yes. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can you believe it? It's the most primitive form of prayer, isn't it? Oh God, if you will just give me this one thing, I promise I won't ask for anything else. Have you ever prayed like that? It's okay to admit it. 
Well, here's what I love about this. Even though the sons of thunder came to Jesus with an immature approach, Jesus did not put them down. He didn't laugh at them or scold them for their brashness. He asked them to define their request. What is it exactly that you want me to do for you? Did Jesus ask them to repeat themselves so that they could hear the silliness, the ridiculousness of their request? The Gospels tell us again and again that Jesus, who knows our hearts, knew what they were going to ask. But I think he wanted them to hear their ambition. I think he wanted them to realize the wrongness of it. I have to imagine that once they heard it, they never forgot it. What did they ask? They asked for the highest positions in the kingdom when Jesus entered into his glory. The left hand and the right hand are positions of power and honor. Again, I have to think that it must have been terribly sad for Jesus to hear his two friends ask for this. It was a clear demonstration that they had not been listening to what Jesus had been teaching them. He told them repeatedly that his kingdom was not of this world. He modeled, and he would continue to model, the fact that glory comes at great cost. And the rest they will learn by watching his passion very soon. With great sorrow, he asked them, Can you drink the cup I drink? That's an odd question, isn't it? While this might sound a bit foreign to our ears, this was an expression that the disciples would have certainly understood. The Psalms and the book of Isaiah both refer to the cup of salvation and the cup of wrath. One is a blessing, the other is a judgment. When Jesus speaks of drinking the cup, he is referring to totally accepting or totally committing to God's way. Today we would ask, can you take it? Can you go all in? Can you pay the price? You don't know what you are asking. I wonder, how many times have you asked God for something and you thought the answer was no, but in reality the answer was, you don't know what you are asking. Oh, I'm sure that James and John thought they were ready, but I'm also pretty sure that after the horror of Jesus' death on the cross, they realized that they definitely were not ready. Thankfully, death is not the end of the story. After the crucifixion came the joy of the resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then came the suffering of the early days of the church. Oh, you can be sure that James and John got ready. They were made ready. But it took some time. And it's a good thing they did get ready. Do you know why? Because church history tells us that they were both horribly persecuted and both may have died violent deaths. That's why Jesus said, you don't know what you are asking. You will drink the cup I drink and you will receive the baptism I receive. But whether or not you sit at my right or left hand, that's all up to God. Here's a thought. Jesus does not deal with favors he deals with faith. Now, the other disciples apparently watched and heard this whole discussion between Jesus and the Thunder Boys. And, understandably, they got angry. How dare those two ask for favors? Who did they think they were? Did they think they were better than everyone else? 
it was time for a reality check. The disciples hoped that Jesus would overthrow the Romans and become an earthly king. So Jesus told them a thing or two about earthly rulers. Look at the great ones among them, he said. Not only are they bossy, the greatest among them are tyrants. He showed them the meaning of human greatness as it applies to the rulers. The rulers are merciless and cruel to the people. They are oppressors. That's what tyrants means. Jesus and the disciples knew about the Romans and the way they treated the occupied lands. Look at them, Jesus told them. But it is not so among you. He gave them what they thought they wanted to hear, but it is the very thing that turned their world upside down. But it is not so among you. You want to be great? Become a servant. You want to be first? Go last. Become a slave of all. Those are revolutionary values, aren't they? No wonder the political and religious leaders of Jesus' day conspired to crucify him. They did not want slaves to become first. They did not want the great to be the servants. They certainly didn't want the last to be first or the first to be last. Are you surprised? Is it any different today? Well, today we don't crucify Jesus. We ignore him. We say things like, he didn't really mean what he said, or you can't take him literally. He was using exaggeration, a figure of speech. Maybe that's true, but no one dies for a figure of speech. Jesus meant what he said all right. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life to liberate many people. Ultimately, the day came when the disciples understood those words. Do we understand them too? How many times do we meet a politician, a pastor, an important person and ask, is he, is she a servant of the people, of the congregation, of the children? Do we enter into a position or a job in order to serve or to be served? These are questions that each of us must answer in our own hearts. As we do, we should remember how the prophet Isaiah described the Messiah. It was certainly our sickness that he carried and our sufferings that he bore, but we thought him afflicted, struck down by God and tormented. He was pierced because of our rebellions and crushed because of our crimes. He bore the punishment that made us whole. By his wounds we are healed. Like sheep we had all wandered away, each going its own way. But the Lord let fall on him all our crimes. He was oppressed and tormented but didn't open his mouth, like a lamb being brought to slaughter, like a ewe silent before her shearers, he didn't open his mouth. Due to an unjust ruling, he was taken away, and his fate, who will think about it? He was eliminated from the land of the living, struck dead because of my people's rebellion. His grave was among the wicked, his tomb with evildoers. Though he had done no violence and had spoken, Nothing false. Now, why would Isaiah describe the coming Messiah this way? Because a life of faith and obedience is rough. This morning, Jesus confirms what Isaiah implies. And when we hear and when we understand, 
then we begin to realize how difficult the life of servanthood is and how often we fail. As we continue to read, we find strength in these words. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but instead one who was tempted in every way that we are, except without sin. Finally, let's draw near to the throne of favor with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace when we need help. The life of service is difficult. But I'm reminded of the words of G.K. Chesterton, who, describing the life of faith and service, said, The Christian life has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Following Jesus will cost you, and it will probably cost you dearly. But listen, my friends, it's worth the cost. I encourage you today to follow Jesus regardless of the cost. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Good and gentle God, your call to us does not end with an invitation to become your disciples, but continues in our daily walk as we hear your gentle whisper and simply stop to listen. But listening can be hard when the cry of this world is so insistent. So forgive us, we pray. Give us ears to hear this world as well as heaven's voice and the wisdom to know the difference and the courage to take up our cross and follow you, to humble ourselves and serve others, to set aside our ambition to control for the pleasure of being your disciple who follows and obeys. Father, we pray for all those who are struggling with illness, especially those who are afflicted and affected by COVID-19. Give healing, wisdom, and protection, we pray. We pray for everyone dealing with or dreading natural disasters, whether it be fires or floods, hurricanes or storms or drought. We also pray for those who seek refuge, asylum, and safety. Father, you've called us to give your love and your healing to those who desperately need it. Help us to value, to love, to comfort and care for those who are the last, the least, the lost, and the left out. And now using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me today. Was this message helpful to you? If so, will you share this podcast with at least three friends this week? Also, your job this week is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Because everyone needs love. And everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what. Please don't let all the responsibilities and busyness of life rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.